Well, good morning. Good morning to everyone here in the auditorium and in our venue service right now. Merry Easter! Or Happy Christmas! Or... I'm a little bit confused by this snow. Come on, come on, sunshine. Y'all are a hearty bunch. Look at this crowd on a snowy Easter morning. Impressive. I love you, Nebraskans. Hey, if we haven't yet met, my name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carney Efree. So great to be with you here today as we celebrate the most important day of the year for us who call on the name of Christ, the day that we remember that Jesus actually rose from the grave. And that's what we hope to do here though this morning. If you're new here today, we extend a special welcome to you. We know that there's many different things you can do on a Sunday morning. Know as many different places yeah, you can go, but we appreciate that you chose to worship with us today. If you have any questions about any of our ministries here at Carney E. Free, if we can pray with you and for you in any way, we'd love to do that. You can, of course, let us know that on the little tear-off portion on the edge of the handout that you received as you came in today. In fact, if you make a decision of some kind today, you say, I, I want to be baptized. We'll have baptism here in a couple weeks. I'd like to know more about this ministry at Carney E. Free. I need prayer for this. I want to know what it is to begin walking well with Christ. You can use this little tear-off portion, bring it out to the information table, and we'd be happy to uh, join you and uh, provide any help that we can as you continue to grow with Christ. That's really our mission here. We're building a transformational community. We're about transformation. We're not about the church, certainly not about me, not about any people. We're about transformation. We believe God wants to transform our lives. We're building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ vertically and with each other horizontally. And I pray that today you have an opportunity to connect with Christ and then a sweet opportunity to connect with others as well. A few years ago, I read an article titled, Behold, Don't Waste Your Easter. And it talked about churches that uh, had all different kinds of wonderful activities to keep Easter fresh like petting zoos that rivaled Henry Dorley and Easter egg hunts of absolutely epic proportions swimming through Easter eggs and car raffles. A couple churches, you'd go to church and you could enter into a raffle and perhaps win a car on Easter Sunday. I'm so sorry to disappoint you today if you thought you were coming in to get a car. But as I was planning for this worship service and thinking about that article, I kind of said to myself, how can we here at Carnegie Free provide a, a whiz-bang of some kind to excite people for the Easter message, which many of us have heard many, many times before? What can we do to keep it interesting? What can we do to keep it fresh? And I started to brood and started to get a little frustrated because I realized I can't compete with the Henry Dorley Zoo petting party. I can't compete with the car raffle. All I have to offer you today, in the words of that beautiful song that we just sang, was Jesus has overcome. And the grave is overwhelmed. And the victory is ours. And I will rise. Will you rise with me? We'll rise together on eagles' wings before my God stand Confidently before him, I will rise, I will rise, I will rise. You see, the, 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 the frustrating thing or you know, the problem even with doing all these other activities around 
Easter, not to insult any of that that anyone does. I mean, it's great to have fun activities. But, but the problem with it, and the article pointing this out as I read it, was it can actually divert our attention from the essential message of today, which is Jesus overcome, and because he lives, so also we shall really live. Because he rose, so also the grave will not contain us. We will rise with him. That's the essential message. And I tell you, to stand here on this stage, I can't begin to express how that defines, how much that defines all that we are as followers of Christ, to know that he rose from the grave and he promises us that our today need not completely define our tomorrow, but he will rise us with him one day. I know that many people have a hard time believing that, in part because they're just skeptical that God could raise uh, someone from the dead. I get that. Other people have a hard time believing that God would have anything to do with them because they've failed repeatedly in life. I get that. Me too. Me too. Other people have a hard time believing that because they feel like life has given them a, a terrible hand, and things just haven't worked for them, and, and they say, maybe God doesn't want anything to do with me. And one of the most frequent questions that I get as a pastor goes something like this. I have failed in this way. You name it. I've failed to be pure. I have failed my marriage. I have failed my son or my mother or my father. I've failed my church. I've betrayed my family. I've betrayed my country. I've betrayed my neighbor. Whatever it might be. I failed in this way. Therefore, I'm sure God wouldn't have anything to do with me. You ever thought that? I've certainly thought that. This morning we're going to see a man who no doubt grappled with those same kinds of fears. His name was Peter. And if you have read the Gospels of Christ, you might remember the name Peter, but because his name is noted more frequently than any of the other disciples in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was Jesus' master apprentice, if you will. He's known more frequently than any of the others, and he walked very closely with Jesus for over three years. But then at the hour that Jesus needed him the most, he walked away. And he failed to show courage. He failed to show loyalty. He walked away from Jesus at the hour that Jesus needed him most. And in, in, in many ways, Jesus uh, uses Peter, I believe, in this story as a representative of our stories. You can see the, the failure of Peter, and you can see the blessing of Jesus to give him another try in spite of his failures. But in this story, you can see Peter kind of cowering over the fact that, that he's failed his master, and he can't believe what he's done. And right at the point that Peter betrays Jesus, it's the night before Jesus is crucified. It's the hour that he needs him most. And at that point, as Jesus is crucified, he goes to the cross, and he's going to say to Peter, and I believe he's going to say to every one of us here this morning, the cross announces, I see you as you are, and still I love we say that again. I see you as you are. And still, Jesus says, I love. If you have your Bible with you today, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Maybe you have your Bible on your phone app. That's fine to use that as well. Or else you can just follow along on the screen as I read this passage. But Jesus has just finished the Last Supper with his disciples. Again, 
He's the night before his crucifixion. And after finishing the Last Supper, he turns to Peter, his closest disciple, the one who he mentored the most. And he has a special message for Peter about his pending betrayal. He says, I have prayed for you, Simon Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he, that is Peter, replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. I'm going to be brave for you, Jesus. Wherever you go, I will go. If they take you all the way to the cross, I'll go all the way to the cross as well. I'm ready to go anywhere with you, Jesus. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times. You'll deny three different times that you even know me. And Peter says, no way, that's not going to happen to me. Come on, Jesus, you know I'm with you. You know I'm your right-hand man. You know I'm like Frank Solich to Tom Osborne. I got your back. I'm in your corner. And sure enough, just as he says, as we continue on, he's betrayed by Peter. The story goes on that uh, another one of Jesus' 12 disciples, a man named Judas, becomes Judas. He becomes the great betrayer, and he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and hands them over to the religious authorities of the day who have governance over the Jewish people at that time underneath the banner of the Roman Empire. And you move forward from there to verse 54, and it says this, Then seizing him, then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest, the Jewish high priest. Peter followed at a close distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw Peter seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and she said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him he said. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. You ever lose your place? Sorry about that. <laughs> Moving on. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. Verse 59, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. He comes from the same region as Jesus came from. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside, and he wept bitterly. What a haunting, haunting moment in this man's life. He had falsely convinced himself, oh, I am all in. I've got your back, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, Peter, I know your heart. I know your duplicity. And I know that at the hour of temptation, when temptation gets strongest, you are going to succumb to that temptation and you are going to turn your back on me. Peter denies this, of course, but there he is, moments later, hiding, betraying. Another one of the gospel accounts records that he's cussing under his breath. I don't know the man. He's cussing about it. Get away from me. I'm not identified with him. And then the rooster crows. 
Now, Peter's actions obviously grab our attention as you read the story. They always have for me. But uh, if you look more closely at the story, you'll see this beautiful word that demonstrates the tenor of Jesus' voice, the kindness of Jesus to Peter, and I believe the kindness of Jesus to us when we fail. Look at Luke 22, 32 once more. Jesus says to Peter, I have prayed for you, Simon. I'm praying for you right now, Simon, that your faith may not fail. But I know your faith is going to fail. I'm praying for you, Simon, even though I know you're about to blow it, you're about to turn your back on me. And when you have turned your back, as I see you are about to do in my foreknowledge, Simon, you might turn your back on me, but I'm not turning my back on you. You might betray me, but Simon, I'm not betraying you. Simon, you might forsake me. In fact, you are going to forsake me, but I will not forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Indeed, I'm praying for you that God would strengthen you up to such a degree that when you come out of this, you would be able to strengthen others around you, that it's possible God might use this failure that you're about to fall into for good in someone else's life, that you'll be a more useful instrument in their life because of your failure and my forgiveness. Don't you long for someone whom you love and look up to, to look you in the eyes at the moment of weakness and say, I'm not done with you yet. It's a, it's a longing, it's a, it's a human desire that, that people would see us as we are with all the warts and foibles inside of us, with all the cracks in my soul, with all the failures that nobody knows about except for me and God, and still he would say, still I would say, I love you. That's a human, human longing. It's a universal human longing. And to think that the Son of God comes to Simon Peter in this moment and says, this is what you're going to do. And then he does it. He betrays him. And still, even so, I love you. Could it be that Jesus knows your current area of pain, your area of weakness, and that Jesus himself is also praying for you and that Jesus himself will also strengthen you through that area of weakness, whatever it might be. Could it be that Jesus is that good for you, praying for you, wherever you are right now? This is what the cross announces for us. It announces, I see you as you are, and still, I love. I love. I love. I'm not done with you, even though I see you as you are. The cross announces for us these two fundamental, really important, paramount truths that we need to hold on to. It's number one, that God in His holiness and in His righteousness, He hates sin. And we don't want to really hear about that on Easter Sunday, but that's part of the message of this Passion Week. He hates sin. And then number two, he loves us still in spite of all of our wrongs, in spite of all the things that we've done wrong, in spite of all the things that have happened to us, in spite of how much tread we have on our body and on our soul from a life that has not gone the way that we hoped it would, he still loves us so. Now we come to church on Easter Sunday morning and we want to think about lilies popping through the ground. Please may they open up soon out there. We want to think about sunshine, we want to think about flowers, we want to think about bunnies. Mm, 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 those Cadbury eggs. Give me some this afternoon. <laughs> Want to think about spiraled ham or lamb or whatever you, 
We eat lamb in our house. I can't wait for some of that though this afternoon. I better get moving here. We want to think about all those things on Easter, but we don't want to think about the cross of Good Friday on Easter morning, do we? But here's the deal. You cannot have the glory of Easter Sunday morning without the agony of Good Friday evening. It's impossible. And so Jesus extends his, extends his hands because God hates sin. He hates all the wrong things that I personally have done. And yet he's not willing to leave me in that place where I was. Rather, God made him who knew no sin, that is Jesus who is perfect, the Son of God, to become sin for us, to become a substitute for us in order that through him we might become the righteousness of God. We might take on the goodness of God into us, not based on anything that we could do because we can never reach up to God's holiness or perfection, but based on his perfection reaching down to us when we are in a place of need. He gives us his grace and he says, come to me and find rest. This is the message of Good Friday. I see you as you are and still I love. Which leads us to the message of Easter Sunday morning in which the resurrection announces. My friend, let's give it another try. Let's give it another try. However cracked you are, whatever mistakes you have made, let's give it another try. Flip over in your Bible, maybe 25, 30 pages to the book of John, another one of the gospel witnesses, John chapter 21. And you'll see how the story ends with Jesus and Peter. Of course, the rest of Friday evening and then all day Saturday and into Sunday morning must have been the darkest days of Peter's life. As he contemplated what he did when his Savior wanted him to pray for him and he was falling asleep and his Savior wanted him to testify for him and he was betraying his Savior. And even so, Jesus in his resurrection appears to Peter and he affirms him. See this. During one of Jesus' resurrection appearances, John 21, starting at verse 15. When they had finished eating together, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than all of these? Interestingly, he did not in that previous scene where we see him. And so he asked him, do you love me more than all of these people or do you seek their applause more than you seek mine? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. That means feed my people. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt now because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter denies Jesus three times, and then Jesus gives Peter an opportunity to affirm him three times. He was what we would call the ultimate fair-weather fan. He said, I'll go with you, Jesus. I'm in your corner until times got tough, and then he left Jesus' corner. And then Jesus rises from the grave, and he forgives him, and he says, not only do I forgive you, but I'm making you the captain of my team. Who makes this stuff up? Nobody makes this stuff up. This came from God himself. This actually happened as is faithfully recorded by the historian Luke and the historian John. This is what actually happened. And so he reinstitutes Peter to service and then Peter becomes this great apostle who is responsible 
for planting the church there in Israel in the coming years. All because Jesus looks him in the eyes after his failures and says, Peter, still, I believe in you. Let's give it another try. You know, I, I have a friend who years ago was homeless and he was addicted to alcohol and to a number of drugs and his life had hit rock bottom. He had lost his, his father and then he lost his son because of his decisions and he was all alone and he had only the clothes on his back and a few dollars. And he went to the only place that he knew, a bar stool. He sat down on the bar stool and after he developed enough liquid courage, he asked the bartender this question. Can you please tell me where I can get help? I've lost everything. I'm broke. I'm homeless. I don't know where to go. My son left me. My parents want nothing to do with me. Can you please tell me where to go to get some help? And the bartender looked him in the eyes and he said, get your bleeping behind out of here. And don't you ever come back. Isn't that typical? That's kind of the way of the world. That you fail in the eyes of some authority and they say, I'm done with you. You fail in your job and they say, you're fired. You fail in your family, I won't forgive you. You, you fail in front of some leader. They say, I'd never give you another try. You don't measure up. And we fear because of that, because we experience that from authority figures, that perhaps that's the way God would treat us. Get out of here and don't ever come back. And what you see instead, from Jesus to Peter here is, come on, come on, I'm with you. Let's give it another try. I know you failed three times, but I'm not done with you, Peter. And a thousand times over, a thousand different sins that we could commit, that's Jesus' ethic. That's Jesus' character. That's the kindness of God to you today. Come on, let's give it another try. I love the way the late, great Billy Graham put it. He said, I am convinced the greatest act of love we can ever perform for people is to tell them about God's love for them in Christ. The greatest act of love that we can ever perform for someone else, the greatest act of love that I believe I can perform for from this stage right now is to tell you about God's unending, unfathomable, nonstop love for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because that is where hope springs from. It's out of the hope of God. It's out of the love of God that redemption springs in our lives. It's out of that that we find a newfound identity that we realize we cannot reach up to God's holiness, but he reaches down to us and he grabs us out of the pit. It's out of that that we get a new identity. It's out of that that we gain freedom. And so I want to preach to you, if I preach no other message, I want to preach to you the unfathomable love of God to see you as you are and say, I still love you and I'm not done with you yet. I don't know what you brought in here today. I don't, I don't know if you're skeptical about faith, if you're a seeker of faith, if you've been away from the church for a long, long time. I'm not sure what you brought in today, but I guarantee you Jesus appeared to people that have been through as bad things as you've gone through. He appeared to people in his resurrection that have done 
as bad things or worse than you have done. He didn't appear to a bunch of choir boys and girls. He appeared to one called Mary Magdalene, who had numerous demons in her, and she might have been a prostitute. And he says to her, let's give it another try. He appears to Peter, who is a coward and a betrayer and a liar. And he says, let's give it another try. He appears to Thomas, who is a doubter until the very end. In spite of all the witnesses of all of his friends, he says, I'm not believing it. And he says to Thomas, come, put your fingers right here. Put your hand where the spear went into my side. And Thomas, let's give it another try. He appeared to Paul, who was a Christian hunter who was an accomplice in killing Christians, an accomplice in murders. And he says to Paul, let's give it another try. But what did he say to you? He'd say, I'm not done with you yet. Let's give it another try. Friends, this is why our vision statement here at Carney E. Free is three very simple words. It's so simple. Many of you know it. In fact, let's say it all together. Ready? Every person matters. Every person matters. I can't say that on the stage because of any authority I have. I say it because the authority that comes from the cross and from the empty tomb. Jesus validated our faith by rising from the grave. He says you matter intimately to him. He will never leave you or forsake you no matter what you have done in the past. You matter deeply to God and therefore you matter so deeply to us. God even says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Not to harm you, but to bless you and to give you a hope in the future. He says that first to Israel during a time of great pain in their history. But I believe he would say that to us as well. That's the character of God to us. No matter how many times we have failed, he has a hope and a future in mind for us. And he's proven it all by conquering the grave. Someone could say these things, and then they die and then they rot, and it's really meaningless. It provides some nice inspiration for people for a time, but it's a myth, and it's a fairy tale, and it does nothing of long-term value. But if the tomb was empty, and the tomb is empty, then it's true, and you can base your life upon it, and from it springs hope and freedom. Easter is always God's best yes to our fears. Have you fallen short? Has life dealt you a lousy hand? Do you fear that will be your lot from this time forward? Easter resurrection is the answer to those fears. Because he lives, so also we who have him in us shall live forevermore. Here's how Romans 8 puts it. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, is dwelling in you, if God's Holy Spirit is in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. The same dynamic power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, now lives in those of us who have trusted in Him by faith, and He will give life to our mortal bodies by faith in the Son of God who loved us and died for us. That's the offer. Renewed hope today. Renewed bodies and spirits for eternity. 
I've never been accused of being the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I got to say, it's a pretty good exchange. I give my sin to Jesus. I give my worship and my empty hands to Jesus. He puts in my empty hands renewed hope for today, redeemed bodies for eternity. The only question that remains is, have you accepted it? Have you done business with the Lord who gave his all to bring you to the Father? And if you have, the promise is God's Spirit dwells in you, and so you can have hope today. But if you haven't, if you haven't asked God for forgiveness through Christ, why not today? You don't know when you'll get another time. Why not today? To look up at the cross and consider Good Friday, to think about that empty tomb and consider Easter Sunday and say, could it be that even today I could wave the white flag of surrender to God and he would treat me not as an enemy, but as a beloved son or daughter who belongs to him forevermore. If you've been far from Christ for a long, long time and you'd like to make a decision to follow him, you can do that today as I close this message in prayer. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, you can do that today as I close this message in prayer. And you can follow along with me with these three simple letters. A, admit. B, believe. C, confess. Admit that I am a sinner and I have fallen short of the glory of God. Let me just ask you, have you fallen short of your own standards? Your own standards. Would you raise your hand if you have? Okay, I see most hands up. The rest of you are liars. So you just fell short of your own standards. All of us have fallen short of our own standards. Could it be that a holy, righteous God would have higher standards still? It begins with admitting what God has already said. I have fallen short of God's glory. I have fallen short of his standards. I admit it, God. Then you believe that God sent his son Jesus from heaven to earth to die even for you, to be your savior, to be your Lord. And then you confess with your mouth, I don't know all the answers. Still, I don't. But I confess that I'm going to follow you. I confess that I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust my hope for today and my redemption for eternity into your loving, safe hands. And this is the God of the second chance. This is the God of the third chance. This is the God of the fat chance. This is the God of the no chance at all. And he says to you, let's give it another try. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I just thank you for the gospel message. I'm so thankful, Lord, that we don't have to put our faith in a myth. So thankful, Lord, that we don't have to put our faith in mere religion. So thankful, Lord, that we don't have to put our faith in the best of our efforts to somehow reach up to you because I must confess that my efforts are never good enough. They just aren't. I don't reach your standard of holiness. And so as I look upon the cross, even at this moment, God, I thank you that you sent Jesus down from heaven to earth 
Even for me, a sinner. Even for us. For every person in this room, for every person in the venue, He came for you. And it begins with this simple admission. You're a holy God and I admit that I'm not. Would you forgive me? I admit that I'm a sinner. If you need Christ today, just follow with me. Just say in the silence of your heart, I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to raise your hand or anything. Just follow with me. I admit that I need you. I admit that working things out on my own doesn't work. I admit that I need you. I believe that you are Savior, Jesus. I believe you died for the world, me included. And I believe that you want to be my Lord, which means you want me to follow you. And so, Jesus, I go ahead and I wave the white flag of surrender. I've been doing it my way for way too long. And so today I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord that God rose him from the dead. I confess that you ain't done with me yet. And I believe you have something better in store for my tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. We give you glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, please, please let us know that. Please use that little communication card that I mentioned, or you can go to our website and we have a next step button on our website that leads you to more in terms of next steps for following Christ. Please let us know and we want to get in touch with you. We'd love for you to be baptized. You made a decision to follow Christ today. I encourage you to sit back and receive this song as a blessing, as a gift to you. As a wonderful musician, Jim Russell sings these words over you. These are the words of God your Father, Jesus your Son, the Holy Spirit who loves you. He is risen today.